Hey everybody, welcome back to the Menchwarmers. It's uh, been a, a long time, a full month. I know, we've been off for a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, you know, sort of the doldrums of the sports here right now. Yeah, um, all, all that's going on. the more Jewish sports. <laughs> the more Jewish sports, you know. Yeah. But uh, we were off, I, uh, I suffered a concussion about a month ago. But you're doing okay. Doing now. okay now. I was uh, sort of unable to do much of my normal routines, but I'm back. Uh, and we are now coming to you live on tape from my kitchen, all as well. Uh, of your new house. Of so, my new so much house. has changed. That's true. That's true. We're no longer in my uh, soon-to-be nursery. That's and, right. And we're now in your new kitchen. That's right. It's been, uh, I got a bump on the head and woke up with a kitchen. So <laughs> we're here. And thanks. Thanks for joining us. Boy, if I get a bump on the head in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to wake up with a baby. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, so since we were gone, we did travel to Phoenix for the Waste Management Open. Uh, we met Max Homa, a yep. Jewish golfer. Uh, having a great season. Yeah, he came in fifth the other day at the Genesis Open. Um, His hometown tournament. Big yeah. Dodgers fan. Uh, I assume a, great a big year. Sandy Koufax guy and a proud Jew. Yeah, so, you know, we just had enough to say hi, but uh, unfortunately couldn't couldn't arrange an interview. Hopefully, hoping for that to happen in the next couple months or well, maybe when he's in town for the Canadian Open. We'll keep hassling uh, with you, but he did recognize the importance of being on the show and we asked him you know we're, we're we're talking about jewish athletes and he lit up and went you know there aren't many of us yeah sort of introspectively right. so uh we the few but the proud so. uh justin thomas standing next to him i don't think was very impressed jt you're welcome to come on the show too you just have to convert yeah um that was a fun tournament fun to see that up close and personal the, you know the, the 16 hole was wild was wild unbelievable you saw tony finau put yeah. on the kobe jersey doing a lot of uh, tributes for kobe uh obviously had recently departed at that time and uh we will have never new- forget where i was when kobe died when i found out kobe died where were you in the parking lot of a shake shack at a mall in phoenix oh i was in the parking lot of uh, walmart oh Going to buy a baby seat, which I then had to return because it didn't fit with the stroller. Ah. Yeah. These are the trials of uh, <laughs> soon-to-be parenthood. Uh-huh. Um, so big changes coming out to your Mensch Warmers hosts' lives in the near future. Um, in terms of Jewish sports the last couple of weeks, things to wrap up. Uh, Dennis Shapovalov had a pretty rough run at the Australian Open. It's a bummer. Not a lot. Uh, Schwartzman had a better run. Yeah, made Diego it. made it to the fourth round. Yeah. Um, he's another target for us. Uh, he'll be here at the Manor in Toronto this summer. Uh, for the Rogers Open, so we'll be reaching out to a lot of them, try and get into that event and see what we can ha- uh, handle. I assume on he, show. he speaks English, but I don't Diego Schwartzman? Know. I don't actually He does. Know. He's talked uh, about his, because he's still fairly observant, and he's talked oh, yeah. about it uh, in English many times. Okay, great. We'll try and reach out for him, and uh, maybe we will check back in with our uh, tennis tennis guest from yeah, last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, big uh, Jewish hockey news, Zach Hyman continues his terrific season, and... Uh, Another uh, uh, sort of obvious Jew, Jason Zucker of the Minnesota Wild, now of the Pittsburgh Penguins, going from bad team to a Stanley Cup contender, playing on a line with Sidney Crosby, um, really bringing some more Jewish pride back to uh, back to Pittsburgh. I'm curious to see what our Pittsburgh correspondent, Jonathan Mayo, has to say about that, but I'm sure he's very excited. That's exciting. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's got a strong Jewish community, which I assume likes the hockey team. I think so. I think so. I've been to Jewish Heritage Night at Pittsburgh uh, Hockey Stadium. Um, or a Pittsburgh baseball stadium. I think hockey is coming up next. Um, also got a good interview with uh, Phoenix Coyotes CEO, Aaron Cohen. Um, we'll try and get you some audio of that soon. Um, but it was a great chat, and uh, he's sort of a fan of the show, and we're a fan of his team. Yeah. And uh, uh, we were got a lot of Coyotes to follow. Yeah. Looking forward, uh, Gabe, you know, it's February 18th today. It dumped about seven inches of snow that I had to shovel this morning. 
on my way to work. Uh, but nevertheless, baseball is in the air and coming That's back right. soon. We're here. And uh, the best Jewish baseball player of the last many years is embroiled in one of the biggest cheating scandals of since the steroid era. It's a real Shonda. Yeah. So Alex Bregman of the Houston Astros is uh, one of the many Astros who, who is apparently complicit in this sign-stealing scandal, mm-hmm. potentially using electronic devices, which is explicitly banned, and using other uh, medium like banging on a garbage can to find out what balls come. Which they're using by reading the signs from an electronic right. device. Regardless of whether or not they're transmitting it electronically. Exactly. Do you think they use buzzers? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I, think I don't do. know how you explain the Altuve jersey thing otherwise. All yeah. the other all the other explanations are nonsense. Come Did, on, let's get out of get, Get, get out of here. Uh, yeah, he Altuve has attempted to say, and Bregman backed him up on these, uh, he had a bad tattoo. His wife would have been mad if he showed his chest. So, Alex Bregman, you're you're off our uh, rooting list for the time being. <laughs> you redeem yourself. Do yeah. a little slicha, and uh, maybe we'll come back to the 2020 playoffs yeah. and, and root for you again. You know, we, she- we launched... Say a shehechianu. It's a new season. You can put this in the past. Yeah, we launched a grassroots MVP campaign for you, my, my dude, and uh, all <laughs> you've repaid us with is, is is disappointment. It's very true. If we, uh, if we can't, if we, you know, this this podcast is mostly about Jewish pride in, in athletes, but we should also have some Jewish guilt. Every I think so. Then. Yeah, I think so. I hope you feel guilty, and I hope your parents have made you feel guilty, Alex Bregman, for yeah, what you've done. Yeah, that's right. That's what I hope. I hope he's getting yeah. it at home. Yeah, when your great grandfather, uh, grandfather, when your grandfather. Uh, you know, our people sort of invented litigation. And when sure. your grandfather moved the Washington Senators to Texas, I don't think he imagined his grandson besmir- besmirching the state of Texas and the Jewish uh, brand yeah. with uh, all this cheating. So he's our uh, he's our reigning shlemiel, I think, for the, for the time. I being. think so. He's the shlemiel of the week. Do better, Alex Bregman. <laughs> you can do better. And, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if any of them can hit this year because uh, – Maybe pressure is sure going to be on. Yeah, it's true. And the balls are sure going to be flying at their heads. <laughs> it's yeah. I I I feel bad. I worry for Bregman that he might get some anti-Semitic hate thrown at him. I don't know. I don't um, know if, if that's that's the way this is going. But anyway, you'd hope not. That's been the biggest scandal. I mean, hopefully we'll do some uh, baseball pre preseason uh, wrap up or, or, or previewing. So. Uh, we've got uh, in the next little while, plenty of Jewish baseball players to, to profile, including some younger ones that are coming up that we should talk about. And even on our uh, hometown Blue Jays, uh, plus uh, with the you know Rowdy Telez, plus the uh, the Israeli baseball team this summer will be at the Olympics. We're going to bring you lots of content on that during the baseball season. Yeah, um, and that should be quite fun. Yeah, uh, but for now, uh, as it is that time of year uh, where the focus is on the more indoor sports yep. we have a great interview coming up with eric kareen of the athletic.com who describes himself as an indoor jew an indoor jew uh but a jew nonetheless mm-hmm. um eric was uh, willing to join us and, and and discuss the recent nba all-star game uh we talked a little bit about the legacy of nba commissioner david stern obviously mm-hmm. uh recently passed away and who was jewish and talk about the future of basketball in Israel and other places and yep. how, how Jews are going to affect the game in the future. It's a lot of talk about the cultural history and the cultural impacts various places and people have on the game from Toronto to China to Israel. Um, I think it was a really interesting conversation with a lot of – we touched on a lot of different topics. Um, didn't get to ask him who his guys were. No, so. we didn't ask him who his guys were. I think I think uh, it's I think it's probably Carter. I feel like he's a Carter guy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. I think we've been – Maybe Oakley. I feel like he's an Oakley guy. Yeah, he could uh, – Chuck. Charles Oakley. Something that came out of our conversation with Aaron Cohen. When, when we ask uh, people their favorite athlete, we got to say 
can't say Sandy Koufax. Right. Like, who's your favorite Jewish athlete? Don't say Sandy Koufax. No Koufax, yeah. It's like if if you ask, you know, what – there's a question, you know, you probably asked as a kid. People have been discussing it. What fantasy world would you have liked to live in if you could live in any fantasy world? Well, the answer is obviously Harry Potter. So you have to say it's like what fantasy world do you live in? By the way, you can't say Harry Potter. Why is it obviously Harry Potter? I don't want to live in a Harry Potter world. You don't? It's just our world, but you have magical powers. Yeah, but all the things I, I think I know about the world will keep getting changed retroactively by the author. <laughs> it's a good bit. It's a good bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't know what fantasy world I would pick. I don't know why it's the Harry Potter one. I think Harry Potter is pretty much a standard question. Our producer, Alex, uh, seems to be staring blankly. So I guess Harry Potter would not be his choice. His choice would be Harry Potter. Okay, he's clarifying. With As us. a kid, you just choose what's popular. That's true. You choose what's popular. I wouldn't want to be – I thought about the treks and the wars, and I think the risks of death are too high. No, you would, you're more if, likely to be some red shirt than a if, hero. If we're including Star Trek, then I'd absolutely want to live in the Star Trek world. But you'd be a red shirt. But it's post-scarcity. It's great. There's <laughs> as much as everything you want. Anyways, uh, enough fantasy talk, and let's go to the real sports and our conversation with Eric Kareen after this break. We're here with Eric Kareen of TheAthletic.com. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Menchwarmers. It's great, it's great <laughs> to be here. A fellow, a fellow Mench, uh, a fellow Toronto uh, Jew. That's, I mean... The last thing is not debatable, uh, <laughs> unless you don't want to consider Thornhill, Toronto, which would be fair. Oh, are you um, are you from Thornhill? Yeah, I don't like to share that, but uh, I guess me and Milo Sharanich have that in common, and sometimes Andrew Wiggins, depending on his mood. Right. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's more guys from Thornhill who lend it a little more cachet these days. Yeah, yeah. they used to be just me and Peter Polanski. Shout out <laughs> to Peter Polanski, but uh, hey, Denis Shapovalov is yeah. is Jewish, yeah, and but we I talk can, about him a lot. Yeah, but he's now cites himself from Richmond. Uh, not now, I think he's from Richmond Hill. Yeah. The, the northern hill um, is that like another level of toronto gatekeeping like you're not even from thornhill you're from richmond hill. Uh, i don't think so <laughs> as much as i would like it to be so um you know thornhill's an odd place we're just a postal code like it's markham and mm-hmm. vaughn and we're just an area in there so the city of uh, i don't know i know some people quite rightly have their stereotypes about people from thornhill mm-hmm. well not uh, us we're, we're we're non-discriminatory when it comes yeah, to our, yeah. the greater toronto area jews yeah, whether yeah from my, toronto or thornhill or well richmond hill and that's uh, it my wife um <laughs> she met me and <laughs> she met me it was very eloquently put, and she didn't want to date somebody from Thornhill. Sure. She had a preconceived notion about well, a passport was uh, out of date. I'm sure it was a big asshole. Um, so well, I, know, wife, I know those stereotypes exist. As my well, my so. wife is also a Thornhiller, and she yeah. knew I was really committed when I was willing to drive north of Steeles to, yeah. to meet her. You know, that well, was the real divide. Some people are talking about a wall going <laughs> on. <laughs> All right, I, I think that, that's enough <laughs> internecine fighting among the uh, the GTA Jews. Eric, do you mind uh, just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and your career? Uh, yeah, I have. St- I started covering the Raptors in two thousand eight. Before that, uh, I went to Ryerson University in the journalism program, sure. and I worked in the. I was officially an editorial assistant for the Canadian press from about 2004 to 2006. What that functionally meant is I was doing Agate, which is the back page of the sports section, essentially, uh, sort of formatting the standings and the results and taking calls from 
uh, people, you know, across the QMJHL right. and uh, mm-hmm. all all the fun leagues, uh, and yeah, you, you were always rooting for there to be like no late ten thirty p.m. starts. You wanted all the starts as early as possible so you could get done uh, quickly uh, and go home. And as was the case, to sure. Thornhill, um, and uh, I was still in school, so at some point it, I found that shift work and. Uh, and working until 3 a.m. didn't really mesh, and I was going crazy. So I stopped working there, and shortly after, I went to the National Post, who was expanding their sports section. What that's, a time. That's out. how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was 2006. I started there part-time, and sort of on the copy desk, doing a bit of editing and a bit of writing, and uh, eventually I, I was part-time, and the Raptors job came open, and I didn't get it the first time, and then it came open very quickly again. Who did? Matthew Sikaris got okay. it. So Aaron Weary left for, I believe, McLean's, mm-hmm. and uh, Sikaris got it, who was very nice to me. Uh, he was very, very supportive of my career, but then very quickly a job opened up at the Globe and Mail, uh, so I think he was at the Post for four or five months mm-hmm. um but the, because i didn't get the job the first time i missed out on raptors training camp in uh italy so oh, wow. uh not great timing for me <laughs> uh but i did get to go to ottawa two years in a row after that so i was at the post for i got that job in 2008 i covered some really bad raptors teams and i covered some pretty good raptors teams right. uh but I was laid off as a part of uh, the post media, the great post media layoffs of 2016. Uh, you so know, eight years, pretty good run in a sports section. Yeah, being functionally employed <laughs> in media is any way you can is a great, great run. I don't credit myself. I, I have a hard time doing that, but I wasn't screwing up enough for them to <laughs> take the hassle of firing me. So that was good. Mm. Um, but yeah, when post media. And the and Sun Media sort of merged, or right. Post Media bought the Sun. The writing was kind of on the wall, and eventually they decided to put Sun copy in the in the National Post, which you know isn't the most graceful uh, combination of styles, but uh, you know that's not as important as it as it once was. And and you know the people who write for the Sun in sports department, I think, do a pretty great job. It's just right. very different different tones in general. So I was freelancing for a while in the playoffs of 2016, which Mm -hmm. when they went to the conference finals. Mm -hmm. And lost um, to Cleveland. And lost to Cleveland. And uh, Bismack Biombo did or did not block LeBron James, depending on your point of view. And He certainly certainly got paid uh, as if he had blocked LeBron James. Yeah, good for him. You got to take that money. Oh, for sure. Um, And then in August, so I was laid off in January. In August of that year, uh, I was chatting with Kevin Kennedy, who sort of runs the Pitch Talks and Mm -hmm, Hoop Talks mm -hmm. series of speaking events. And they told me about these guys who were starting The Athletic, and which is, if you don't know, uh, a digital subscription website slash app you can always <laughs> there's always there's always you a sale you can always find a deal yeah. you can always find like a week free trial at least mm, that's at, how they get you uh theathletic.com it's not how we get you that's <laughs> how we give our wonderful service for your money <laughs> it's how you that's how they get you to read the product yeah, yeah. he didn't finish the sentence yeah. that's what he was gonna the product say. is not, what makes not you a stay. trick yeah. <laughs> um, yes that is how we get people to pay attention I yeah. suppose. Uh, uh, but they had started in Chicago in February. And so they were open up in Toronto. And 
I was a fairly prominent name and available for, you know, without complications, <laughs> um, which I, I'm sure, at the, especially at the beginning of their, you know, what is now a huge media company, but at the beginning, you don't necessarily have a bunch of money to go buying people's right. contracts out or however mm-hmm. it's going to, you can't necessarily big time a bunch of established media companies. So that probably, uh, I mean, it definitely made it easier to get me and John Watt and Caitlin McGrath was our editor. She's now uh, a, a Blue Jays writer there. So, right. uh, and David Alter, who uh, is not with us any, is not at The Athletic anymore, but he's, he was a part of that original group that sort of came over from the post. And uh, it has blossomed from there. Like we were four or five people and then the likes of James Myrtle and Sean Fitzgerald come on and uh, we've got a blossoming, uh, I mean, we basically cover every North American sports team. And we're, we're lucky to get you at a little break in the NBA schedule. It's mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday, I think, Tuesday, February 18th. And the All-Star game was last weekend, All-Star weekend, last weekend in Chicago. Um, any any stories come out of the All-Star weekend or anything you had to focus on that, that uh, you found particularly interesting? Well, I mean, the, the ending of the game was so interesting right. uh, using the what they call the Elam ending. So you... Going into the fourth quarter, instead of making it running time, you do whatever the winning team, leading team score is, plus whatever number. In yeah, this case, it, it was, was 24, 24 for Kobe. Uh, to honor Kobe Bryant. Um, and it had been talked about as a way to make games more interesting, but, you know, nothing you really expect the NBA to adopt in a, you know, in a regular season format, at least consistently, but man did it turn that fourth quarter into like it wasn't even pretty it yeah. wasn't but they were playing hard like yeah. that was there's a few people who said like those were like the biggest free throws of anthony davis's career at the end like has he ever it's true he's and, never like, been in a big game like kyle lowry's playing exactly as if it were game three of of whatever and taking charges and um and the play really bogged down in a way that reminded me of the playoffs too like it's not like you had that flowing offense. Everybody was just sort of trying to find the best individual matchup. Like, yeah. that's why, like, I don't think Pascal Siakam was the best player on the floor for Team Giannis. That would be Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was, but Pascal Siakam was the guy with James Harden, the weakest defender on him. So they went to him a few times. And, uh, I mean, these aren't teams that play together all the time. So I think it would look a little different if they had a few practices together and it, and could have more chemistry, but I think it was it was definitely a hit in the way it increased the competitiveness. And looking at it from a Raptors perspective, like Nick Nurse is coaching, and both Lowry and Siakam were on the floor as their offense pretty much right. went dry. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to you know say this is what will happen at the playoffs. But I think the biggest question about the Raptors is their late game offense for going into the playoffs. It's you know, everybody thinks they can hold up defensively, but offensively they don't have that guy like they do with did with Kawhi or, or even DeMar DeRozan. Uh, they have Kyle Lowry, who's, you know, certainly very talented, but as, you know, a six-foot guard can't get, you know, a great shot anytime he wants. And there's right. Pascal Siakam, who's still learning how to do that. And when he's, you know, playing, we saw what happened to him in the playoffs last year. Like, he was still had the occasional productive game, but... You know, when you have Jonathan Isaac and then Joel Embiid and 
Giannis Antetokounmpo and Draymond Green on you. It's not like you can just get to wherever you want like right. you can against, you know, probably Phoenix on Friday. So <laughs> it's uh, it is something he's going he's gonna to have to learn in real time. And uh, so if you wanted to really stretch, you could say, the, you know, the way, the way Team Giannis looked down the stretch of the All-Star game doesn't bode well for the Raptors, but also they were playing some of the best defenders in the world. Right. And, uh, you know, this... It was, we won't, we won't it, be seeing yeah, all of them yeah. at the same time in the yes. playoffs. Uh, so I think there's something there, but not much. But it was just, just from a basketball perspective, super interesting. Do we know if there were any Jewish people involved other than Adam Silver in the last two, 24 minutes of the game? Um, I, well, none of the time. <laughs> I think so. None of the Is Jerry uh, Reinsdorf Jewish? Ooh, good question. The owner of the Bulls? Yes. Our producer is telling us, yes, he is. He might have been the Mark most Davis too. and Eric Lewis were two of the referees not Jewish. Oh, uh, those are sure. Mark Davis. Was it with a C? I don't know. If it's with I a, think C, it's a C, yeah, that would be a good. We call them Mike Jacobs All Stars, which are players yeah. or refs who like could be Jewish, could yeah. be Jewish, yeah. but not. Yeah. Um, uh, Jonathan Isaac's a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's always an interesting. It's always an interesting yes. question about how to how to sort of do experimentation in these big games or in sports in general. It's yeah. like. You know, we the rules for basketball have been pretty much the same for the last fifty odd years. You know, aside from zone defense or hand checking, things like that. But the actual format of the game remains the same. Yeah, and I mean, the one, not one, but one of the most prominent complaints from casual fans or non-fans who have tried and don't catch on to basketball is the ending takes forever. Yeah. And there's too many timeouts, so they lowered the number of timeouts you can take. But it yeah. still can be pretty choppy. And it's not that this wasn't choppy, but you never got the, like, nobody's fouling on purpose to, right. to extend it. That's the difference. Ironically, the game ended on free throws yeah. uh, because there was a foul, and maybe that's something they take a look at changing, although I don't, I, I can't think of a fair way to really do that. But it was, I think it's a good, big, dramatic moment. Yeah, it's a single shot. We don't need to get into the minutiae of that necessarily, but you just have teams defending their butts off, and, like, that was... You know, one of the most surprising things to me is that, like, all-star defense was better than all-star offense. Like, even, right. you know, Team LeBron, I, I think it ended up being 33-22 to 22 in the fourth quarter. So once, at, at the end of three quarters. But it's not like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's not like they were reining in shots. It was pretty... It was grinding. a tighter game yeah, than it had been um, in the past several years. And, and maybe, again, that just has to do with players who haven't played together and, like... LeBron's used to having the ball, and Kawhi's used to having the ball, and uh, who else was on? James Harden's used to having the ball, and Chris Paul has, you know, gotten a bit more off ball this year, but, you know, he's had the ball in his hands for the most of his 16-year career now. So uh, I think one guy couldn't sort of, one team sort of couldn't find that guy to get going, the other, like, they, I think Kawhi was the closest thing to really yeah. get it going, but then LeBron's taken shots from the logo to try and end the game when they're three points away. So it was it was really neat. I I can't say enough good things about it, and whether they have to tweak it or not, like, and whether it will continue to work in the same way. Like, if one team was up twenty five instead of up nine, I think it was right. It would never have gotten that tight in the fourth have, quarter. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that way. But you know, the first time really worked, and you can see like. 
I, I assume this is the type of thing that, okay, maybe they start to try that ending in a bit of Summer League or yeah. a bit of G League. Well, maybe one, one thing they've talked about this year is introducing some sort of mid-season tournament. Uh, yeah. You know, that would be a great place to experiment because you're already be doing something yeah. that's a different format. Yeah, and if you're not counting it in the standings, then... Yeah, or if it's being counted in some alternative way or, yeah, then, or playoff seating or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you don't have feel like you have to weigh it and so, you don't have to play the game in the same exact way. Are these things that the recently deceased David Stern who is Jewish and his replacement Adam Silver also is are these things that David Stern would or wouldn't have done? Um, I think Stern was viewed as in terms of the rules maybe as a bit more conser- conservative than his predecessor um, but like he certainly expanded the game, in and marketed the game sure. in ways that totally changed things. But it, if you look at the form of basketball, the biggest change during Stern's uh, tenure was probably hand checking and and allowing and getting rid of uh, defensive uh, illegal defense right. and, and adding zone defenses. That sort of happened during. Uh, his tenure and that has led to this offensive explosion. It wouldn't be possible if yeah. you were allowed to impede the the dribbler so much. So he Plus was. They had that weird ball. Oh yes, <laughs> that, uh, that was the briefly lived weird ball. How long did they play with that? Like two weeks before they? Gave I it think up? it was like maybe two months. Yeah. But Steve, I remember Steve Nash hating it. Yeah, um, they said they couldn't. It was dribbling weird and the shot, shot was weird. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting that I don't um, know, like who thought like we're going to change the ball. That, yeah. that, that's that, the that's, that's a mistake. Uh, I mean, they've been doing it in baseball and, you know, to uh, yeah, just, varying degrees of success, depending on, on your flair, your mm-hmm. enjoy, whether you like the home run so or not. In cricket, they play the entire game, no matter how long, using the same ball. Really? You have to use the same ball and it just gets weird throughout the entire game. I think more sports should do that, but like for a season. It'd be great like, if, uh, like, you know, in the basketball it gets like a pimple in it, like a, like a yeah, piece of they it had to keep up, playing. Yeah. If they just had to keep playing. <laughs> like like every foul ball had to be thrown back into the stands. Exactly. By, well, that's how they the used play. to do it until somebody and died because they got hit by a ball they couldn't see because it was so scuffed up in baseball. That really? Like the 1908 or something like that. So, I mean, that's what happens in cricket. You have to throw the ball back and then they just sort of rub it. But that's one of the advantages is teams that go second already start playing with a messed up ball. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, like Stern... <laughs> I, I think he was, and it wasn't as much of a concern during a lot of his tenure because, like, the heart of his tenure or the beginning of his tenure came with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and their right. rivalry sold itself. And then they had Michael Jordan, and like he played in arguably in, in the ugliest basketball period in terms of style of play, or right. at least the most defensive minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he transcended that style of play, and you know was iconic in his own way, and. I think it was when he lost that that he started to have to, and not that there weren't stars that followed him, including Kobe Bryant, who we've already mentioned, but Vince Carter as well. Yeah, but they, you know, could never be Michael Jordan because he he was so singular in that way, and that's when he had started to think about the product and who he was selling the game and how they were selling it. But uh, I mean. He did. did. I'm sure you have lots of questions about Stern for me, but uh, he really opened up the game internationally, which I think is his biggest uh, legacy. Do you Uh, remember when Maccabi Tel Aviv beat the Raptors? I do. My brother, uh, who I didn't mention in my bio, my brother is five years older than me and and was also, he worked for the Toronto Sun 
uh, as a writer, he covered, but he was covering the Raptors mm-hmm. in that game. Mm-hmm. And it was a so you're the second game. Raptors covering Green. Yes, yes. Uh, Anthony Parker's big breakout game. Yeah. Uh, that earned him a, He was so good, they yeah, signed him. Yeah, well, he had in a, the Jewish community for yeah, that's 18. Why he, yeah, that's yeah. why he wore number 18 uh, when he got here. Was, I think he spoke like a little bit. Uh, he did uh, speak a little Hebrew. A little Hebrew. Well, I mean, enough time. to order. A, There's uh, our, our Jewish All-Star Game connection. Candace Parker was heavily involved in the game. Oh, that's true. Anthony's sister. Yes. She well, was a, a slam dunk competition. Yeah. Judge. Back to you for a minute before yeah. we get here. Did you go to camp? Uh, no. You I weren't to camp. Go. I went for like 10 days to Camp Tamarack. Okay. Um, and it uh, it was not for me. Yeah, it's um, a thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm an indoor Jew. And we can <laughs> get an, a great indoorsman, as yeah, people say. And yeah. so, and you went, were you like religious growing up or just sort of? No, I, I not, you know, like a lot of people in our community in Toronto, like, I am Jewish, but I don't like, I'm not a practicing yeah, Jew right. in that way. So, uh, like, I, we had Shabbat dinner at my grandparents yeah. a lot, and we, I went to the went to synagogue for the high holidays. And, that and was, you had a bar mitzvah? I had a bar mitzvah, and the party ended up being the, uh, the last game of the Blue Jays season in 1998. Huh. And, uh, that, that was, was a game Roger Clemens. No, it was Roy Halladay. Yeah. Uh, Perfect game. Almost no yeah, hitter. No uh, yeah. Ruined Whichever. by Bobby Higginson. Uh, <laughs> you remember? Well, I mean, <laughs> it was so your bar mitzvah. Your only bar mitzvah. Yeah, so the Eric Corey number thirteen on the on the big screen, and my grandmother still has a picture of it. Uh, oh, just, that's of great. just the jumbotron downstairs. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Oh, so you had the jumbotron at the Blue Jays game? Yeah, and then they showed our uh, sweet luxury box. <laughs> was that the bar mitzvah? Uh, was that no, no, that was the party. Yeah. Oh, so wow. Instead of like, at the game. Instead of going to like one of like La Park for right. bar mitzvah, um, uh, I just had like a bunch of friends. And That's then, amazing. Like, some, That's awesome. Probably some aunts and uncles. I don't remember being there at the game, and it like the Jays sucked and the Tigers sucked. So I was like, oh great, who cares oh, yeah. about this? But it ended up being a really dramatic and like two hour game. <laughs> like, it was a very short. Roy Halladay really got you out in time to uh, yeah, know, catch yeah. the three three thirty train back. Yeah, back it was north. almost a Holiday Burley special like yeah. type speed. Those oh, were yeah. the best. Yeah. Um, just going back to Stern a little bit. I mean, unfortunately, this NBA season has been sort of marked by loss. Yeah. Stern and, and Kobe, obviously, sort of two giants here. Um, you know, I think when we think about Stern, we think about sort of the NBA's quest for legitimacy and expanding the game, as you said. You know, he has been he was involved with the game since the late 70s, became commissioner in yeah. uh, 83 or 84. 84, I believe. And, you know, the, yeah. the game expanded to the 30 teams it is now. And also just like, I, you know, they, they talk about, I, you know, that uh, it wasn't thought of in the, in the same serious way yeah. that it is now. I mean, it was on... Tape, like, it was on tape delay, basically. Right. Like, the NBA mm-hmm. finals, NBA finals games in the middle of the day, yeah. yeah. And uh, and now we see sort of Stern's Stern's uh, I don't know sort of plan come to fruition where it's the yeah. biggest sport, but then sort of going beyond him with silver as you said the the rule changes have made it in many ways more more fun in some ways like I feel like the the you know the last half a decade has been characterized by Golden State you know and the, the sort for of sure. basketball they play and that's like I feel like that's more fun for kids like that, that sort of basketball it's <laughs> well, just sh- like shooting three pointers yeah. is somebody everybody something everybody can can aspire to like. And posting up 
a seven footer is not like yeah. you know mm-hmm. some it's different some of us don't have broad shoulders sure. no matter if they reach uh puberty quicker and shoot up quicker like you can't just put me at center mr timothy <laughs> right. like, like just because i'm six feet i'm soft as charmaine like <laughs> i just wish somebody would have told me to learn how to dribble a basketball as opposed to just play with my back to the right. basket yeah mm-hmm. you know today, I, I still do i did double take a couple of weeks ago raptors uh played the timberwolves and it was 75 75 at halftime yeah yeah and i was just like i i, I had to do a double take i'm like are you sure it's only been two quarters yeah like, no that it, that game was particularly ridiculous but but that's the that's the I, league I thought earlier it's, this it's, season the knicks put up 150 in regulation something like that, that i it might have been involved in like one of the wizards games yeah they were playing like a bunch of 145 140 yeah. games there for a while um, it's really different than like a 85-85, you know, Spur, Tim Duncan and David Robinson Spurs era team yeah, that we're um, used to growing so, up. So, I mean, I think, yeah, it, it definitely attracts more fans, but there's also the counter argument is there's a lot of sameness to it. And not everybody's playing the exact same way, right. but it's sort of different... Uh, different variations of the same theme for the most part. And you know, that's what makes a team like Philadelphia so interesting is they have all these pieces that don't like the conventional thing would be to trade one of those guys. And like you, if you have Ben Simmons, you get a bunch of three point shooters and sort of build the same roster that Milwaukee has. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or if you have Joel Embiid, you also get a bunch of three point shooters and just, but get the ball inside to him more and work as sort of a more, you know, think like Dwight Howard, 2009, 2010 Orlando sure. lineup that sort of predicted, they, they made a, way, a, run. predicted yeah. a way that uh, the way that this has gone. Um, and they're such an unnatural fit that they have to play a different way. And it's interesting and I'm sure frustrating to their fans a lot of the time. Mm. But, um, you know, styles make fights is what they say. And I, I think they're... It, it's a valid concern that there's a lot of sameness right now. Um, and that's just because three is more than two every time. And, you know, as one Walker once said, until, I, I shoot so many threes because there are no fours. Yeah. Um, until somebody can make like 80% of mid range two pointers, it's hard to make the math work consistently. Mm-hmm. And yet in the playoffs, as you like, you're playing the best defensive teams in the in the league generally sure and like think of the toronto philly series last year like Kawhi Leonard lived in the mid-range he like Mm -hmm. they philly was so good and so big that those were the shots that he could create for himself and unless he had that shot toronto loses and that's the way that the playoffs work sometimes and now of course like if you compare it to 20 years ago pace is still way up in the playoffs and three pointers are way up in Mm -hmm. the Warriors winning three out of four years, and especially that first year when they didn't have Durant, um, you know, sort of kicked the old, you can't win this way, you can't win the championship winning this way. But, you know, I still think in an ideal world, you get a bit of both, and that probably, or not both, there are more than two ways to play basketball, but you get a bit more variety. And I think to really get that, that involves doing something with the three-point arc, and I'm not sure what the right thing is to do. 
Well, I think from our perspective as a Jewish sports podcast, you know, it, it gives us some hope that there might be room for more Jewish basketball players in the future because, you know, what we lack in uh, height, usually we might make up for in determination and precision and precision. <laughs> I mean, everyone's seen that old guy at the Y who can just like nail three after three. Yeah, There's like a, a grandpa moves. Yeah. yeah. Have. And, and not to diminish, you know, the athleticism of someone like Steph Curry or, or Clay Thompson or something like that. And, and obviously they are quite tall by, by human standards, yeah. if not by NBA standards. Yeah, but by Jewish standards. But by Jewish standards, they'd just be somewhat tall. <laughs> no, they'd be extremely tall. <laughs> well, what? Steph Curry's 6'3", I think. Right. Or he's mm-hmm. officially listed as 6'3". Anyway, we don't need to get into the, the exact merits of this. But, but yes, like, there is still... Like, what we're dancing around is Jews aren't known to be the most athletic folk. Um, and especially basketball has been yeah. the one where we haven't really played Well, we used to. We, um, yeah, in the 50s. Yeah, but there's a different type of athleticism is required, and, mm-hmm. and it's more, you know, horizontal athleticism than vertical athleticism. Uh, you know, you, it's more about moving laterally instead, right. of, instead of, you know, jumping out of, jumping, you know, having the... 36 inch vertical i was just i just watched the vince carter dunk contest again from 2000 and that was the year they showed i mean they might have done this for many years but they showed each dunker's vertical um leap on every mm-hmm. dunk and like for his it was like 36 inches like he was like he got off the feet the ground by three feet like, yeah, it, was, it was unreal There's still, a, watching those clips is, is, is still amazing no no so like he's six dunkers, six yeah. if he's off the the ground by three feet that means his head is at nine six so basically at the rim so yeah. no wonder he's able to do all that stuff that's like, how you get your whole elbow inside, yeah, yeah, inside, inside the hoop like, they have a like a, a thing a, a exhibit at the real madrid stadium at least they used to where they would hang a ball from the ceiling where cristiano ronaldo could head and see if people could go like mm-hmm. head it and they're just videos of people missing by feet like just regular people going full run ups and jumping up, so it's an inhuman thing. Yeah, how I, high I mean, pro athletes can jump. So yeah. maybe, well, I don't know. Is the there's been a lot of Jewish basketball players over the year I, years. I don't know how many of them dunked regularly. Good question. Well, Omri Caspi, he was yeah. like he dunk? six eight. Yeah, and Farmer was, Farmer could dunk. I'm sure. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Willie um, Cauley Stein could probably dunk. He's half. <laughs> he is half Jewish. This, uh, is, this has been a, a peccadillo for our podcast. We, we've tried to look into Willie Cauley-Stein's uh, <laughs> Jewish heritage. Apparently, his, his maternal grandparents are Jewish, and yeah. that's where the Stein comes from. Yeah. But like all we found is like one magazine article from like a Sacramento City magazine from a couple years ago, and... Uh, other than that, we haven't been. We have. We, we've dug, but we've come up dry. As we research this show, there's a lot of like unsighted Wikipedia. And bring this up. Uh, were you aware of any of the Fred Van Vliet Jewish rumors that no, went around that, for a while? That, uh, those escaped me. Yeah, uh, it's shocking. Last year during the playoffs, somebody and neither of us promise you it was neither of us edited Fred Van Vliet's Wikipedia page to put him in the like category of Jewish professional basketball mm. players, and you know. From you know who we are, our Twitter people we know, etc. So the, 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 it just sort of came like a wave. Like, did you know Fred Van Vliet's Jewish? He's Jewish, and this was right when he was starting to heat up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not Jewish, yeah. as far as we could tell. One of a, a different guest we've had on this podcast asked us if he was Jewish wow. because he had heard the rumor. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I did a fairly in-depth profile of him, and uh, while I can't guarantee he's not <laughs> Jewish. Uh, 
it, in my research, it did not come up once. That's so. pretty good. That's good. That's good confirmation from relative, pri relatively primary sources. Better than us digging through someone's Instagram feed yeah, to see if like, there's any uh, Passover uh, pictures. Yeah, we look for a lot of Jewish wedding photos <laughs> and Passover pictures is a good one. Or really just the absence of Christmas celebration in, in social media can be useful, <laughs> you know? Yeah, except then, like, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not Jewish. Like, yeah, that's true. they have a significant other and have been celebrating Christmas for a few years? Like, got to get the best of both worlds. Sometimes. No, it's true. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking deep. And, you know, when we see a uh, uh, Frank Kaminsky or something like that yeah. pop up in our in our news feeds, the first inclination, I, I think a lot of Jewish sports fans do this, is like, oh, Kaminsky, Jew. Yeah. And uh, look into it and say, no, just a very, very tall man. Yeah. And, uh, Eastern European, yeah. not Jew. Yeah. I assume. Yeah, I don't think Frank Kaminsky is Jewish. No, I think that we've done it for the NBA. I think right now there's just Willie Cauley Stein. Maybe. Wow. And, or half uh, of him. There was Yoval Zusman, who uh, I think got a look this past summer with some teams in Summer League, yeah, an that, Israeli guy. That also escaped. Yeah, an Israeli. He, he went undrafted. He's yeah. an Israeli guy. I think I think didn't make it. Or didn't make Zeusman. didn't make any of the. Uh, Sounds made up. Yeah, I did. Like I did have. <laughs> it does sound like it does a, sound like a two K creator. Exactly. <laughs> I did have the Caspi watch when Omri Caspi first came into the league. I would always hashtag it as yes. just like nobody was interested. That was an just, early. That was an was early a, failed bid on this podcast. Yeah. Was what did Omri Caspi do yeah. this week? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it was just a running gag with myself um, <laughs> yeah no, nobody was remotely interested but uh he he was not terrible at times no he, yeah, he, he did was, he he got a ring he got a with ring. the golden state i I'm think not sure it's definitely possible he was I, definitely on the team one of the I years just they won i can't might not have finished the season he might not him. have been on the playoff um, roster but yeah he was you know he had some good years in sacramento and, mm -hmm. and, and cleveland and yeah he was he was a nice player he i basically couldn't stay healthy I, uh, well, I think who the, among us I, yeah. I think the next the next big Jewish we're uh, not known for our, our strength yeah, of our immune I've, systems I've had a two month calf strain uh, <laughs> now anyway uh, it's I, not I, getting better I do think so. the next big Jewish uh, basketball player will probably come from Israel where basketball is really the most popular sport or, or equal with soccer but uh, as a spectator sport definitely the most yeah popular. no there's definitely I mean I haven't been to a game in the league but it's a thriving league and uh you know you can see any anywhere where like i was just talking to milos raonic uh for a story on the athletic about his raptors fandom sure and he was like we got to canada and the raptors like basketball was something we knew because they were from the former yugoslavia and right. like, that's a basketball mad part of the world and uh for no other reason than they're, you know, taller than average people. Sure. Uh, right. So once uh, once a sport becomes culturally prominent like that, just like we're seeing in Canada, we've, the, you know, I've written how many, who knows how many articles about the Toronto basketball boom and the Canada basketball boom, but it's definitely like uh, it's possible that that could happen in Israel. I would have to do a lot more research to say how plausible it, I mean, it, it takes is. one in yeah. the sort of yeah, yeah, no, uh, snowball effect. Exactly, that was... Although I guess the Yao Ming never really created in China what they thought he would have. But... It's true. When Yao came out, there was like... I remember reading stories about like there's a thousand guys who are seven feet tall playing basketball yeah. in China. We haven't really seen any of them. No, you know? we've seen a lot. Like, I think the 
global growth into Africa has certainly produced a sure. lot more. Yeah. Like you look at Team Giannis's starting front court, which is Giannis Antetokounmpo from Nigeria sure. via Greece, mm-hmm. and then Joel Embiid and Pascal Siakam, both from Cameroon. So um, it, it, you know, it takes the it takes the role model, like you say, sure. and. Uh, but not impossible. It is a country that definitely supports basketball. So uh, I think you, you get one you know special talent that's pushed that way. And that there you go. Well, we do have uh, Mari Stoudemire in the Israeli league right now. Uh, you know, later, yes. later in life, Jew. Famous Jew. Yeah, famous, famous Jewish basketball player. My cousin claims to have seen him at the Kotel. Yeah. I don't think that'd be somebody you'd mistake. But yeah, he's, uh, he's a pretty famous guy and uh, hard to miss. Basketball players are... Uh, often easily easily identifiable with your exposure to the raptors do you have any advice for getting larry tannenbaum to come on our podcast <laughs> um yeah no um <laughs> it's not gonna happen I, uh-huh. I is that a challenge <laughs> yes if that's what you if that's what you need yeah my, everything my doubt as all of twitter will tell you is my doubt that propelled the raptors to a championship last I year think every raptors dead every every raptors fan i know has talked about how the team sucked yeah. for the last 15 years it's like oh no oh, you yeah. picked milwaukee to beat the raptors like yeah. this is 67 win bucks or whatever they were and then you picked the team that had won four <laughs> out of five cha- or three out of four championships to beat them i what a <laughs> irrational human being well there you go larry larry if you want to prove eric wrong yeah. as the raptors did last year feel free to <laughs> if you're listening larry come on our podcast and uh we, we, we promise you only softball questions. Yeah, maybe Drake and him will come on together. That, Larry that, first, that's the dream. Drake second. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Eric. It's been great having you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Well, thanks again for Eric, to Eric for joining us. Uh, glad to, you know, have the definitive word about Fred VanVleet. It's true. Um, I think we all held out hope for a while. Apologies to our listeners, especially... Uh, uh, our former guest and we assume still current listener, Max Winkler. Sure. Fred Van Vliet is not Jewish. Sorry, Max. Uh, but I expect to hear from Maybe you one about day it. We'll Maybe one day we'll get him. Exactly. Maybe one day. Yeah. Uh, another piece of uh, interesting Jewish sports news announced uh, yesterday, I believe, the uh, Chelsea, the soccer team, formerly widely known to have a ton of Nazi fans. Sure. Uh, and they have the history to do this. Uh, Roman Abramovich, their Jewish-Russian owner, is uh has declared that they they first they adopted the international holocaust remembrance uh definition of anti-semitism which is a big step sure. uh, for a lot of uh, professional sports teams um especially in england where there's a great history of racism in soccer uh actually an interesting story did you see the other day the uh the fan that was kicked out by other fans for yelling racial abuse at a black player in italy no i didn't see that but that's a good yeah step. it's sad on the one hand but a good step in the right direction the well the hand. the whole crowd started chanting for security to get rid of that guy wow. and then they stopped the game and all the players like on both teams pointed him out and started booing the guy wow. and they got rid of him and oh, then they kept going on so it's good to know that support for your uh, uh fellow uh, competitor transcends fan racism. Anyway, on that topic, Roman Abramovich and Chelsea, they're hosting, uh, I think it's the first global symposium on sports and anti-Semitism. Wow. And that should be by the end of the summer. Uh, and uh, I don't know if we can go. Uh, 
hint, hint to our editors. But if we can't, uh, we will uh, uh, bring you coverage sort of remotely from the event and, and discuss what they talked about because it's an important uh, feature. And I'm sure our other former guest, uh, Dave Goss, will be following it closely. Sure. Maybe we'll check in with him again uh, about the event when it comes up. We'll give our listeners some details about that some more in the future. Absolutely. Uh, until then, we are the Mentormers. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in your feed. Hopefully regularly on a bi-weekly basis, uh, yep. although ho- hopefully my baby doesn't interrupt that schedule at all. From no. what I've heard, they're very low maintenance. No, 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 no. I think it's fine. I think you just sort of like pop it to bed and that's good. Yeah. You know, it goes to sleep at 7 a.m. and sleeps, you know, 20, 25 hours at a time. Sure. Uh, until then, uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, Menchwarmers. Yep. Uh, follow us on Facebook, CJN Podcast Network. And check out cjnews.com for all of the new podcasts on the Canadian Jewish News I think, feed. I think three or four of them marry the classic Jewish traditions of kvetching and eating. Yeah. So, you know, there can only be one about food, one about sports, but there's an endless appetite for Jewish podcasts oh, you, about food. You, you got the Bagel podcast. You got the Kanish podcast. You got the uh, 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 sort of smoked fish podcast. You got the various cream cheeses podcast. You know, we got one for each of those things. Yeah, we got one for each of them. So, fellow uh, CJM podcasters, if you, if you want any bagel takes, I got bagel takes. Oh, all about, yeah, All absolutely. about the city's bagels. Uh, but yeah, until then, find us online and hope to hear from you guys and hope to see you again soon. Do you remember the time we ran into Michael Landsberg at uh, Bagel World? Yeah. That was like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, we should get him on the show. We should. We should look to him. Another guest we'd love to have on the show is Larry Tannenbaum, who I hope is listening to this show. He now has, and we got another piece of skin in the game. Prove Eric Corrine wrong. That's right. As uh, the Raptors did yeah, last year. Absolutely. And, uh, so we'd, ma- lo- we'd love to have you on. And if you want to send us to England to go to an anti-Semitism uh, symposium, feel free to do that as well. This symposium, I believe, is against anti-Semitism in sports. Just to clarify, Larry, to clarify. we could bring back a lot of info. Uh, an to fight. anti-Semitism. An anti, uh, yes, pro-Semitism. pro-Semitism. Uh, we could bring back a lot of info to chat uh, to the Raptors, maybe specifically about each, to each and every one of them. They could be my friends and we could discuss our love of Judaism. Um, but Larry, uh, we're, we're starting the hashtag, hashtag prove Eric wrong. Uh, at the, now the ball is in your court. Thanks listeners. We'll see you again next time.